0: For those of you who um, who wonder what it is that we're up to, uh, we're studying the Book of Galatians. That's what we're doing. But there's a portion uh, of Galatians uh, in chapter three that introduces us to the to the to the the concept of uh, sonship, and then um, then later on in chapter four, the whole word of adoption is mentioned. And so, I thought it would be wise, or hopefully uh, helpful to To spend a few weeks on the subject of adoption, which is a neglected one, and I'm 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 as, I'm more guilty than anyone of neglecting it, and I and I um I think that's unfortunate, and so I'm trying to uh, that's my own failure, so I'm trying to make up for my failings by uh, by spending a lot of time on it now uh, as we've come to it um, uh, in the text. Um, you know, if you if you do Bible studies and and the word is handled r- rightly, and I, I, that's not to say that we do here, but we we certainly strive to. But um, if you if you handle the word rightly, then there's going to be balance in the message that God's people ultimately get, because not because the 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 speaker is balanced, but because the book is balanced. So the the um, the um, the strategy is to go through books, and thus, uh, we confront things as they come up in the text. And so, um, as this has come up in the text, um, I, I wanted to take a little uh, side road and spend some time on the issue of adoption. If you're interested as to where we've gotten in our study of Galatians, it would be in Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 26, where, uh, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. There it is. And then in verse 4 5, um, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So <clears throat> that, there it is, um, and that's why we're doing it. Now, um, I said something last week as we closed, and, and I, um, I was alluding to a Packer quote, a J.I. Packer quote. Um, you may recall that I, I ended with four J.I. Packer quotes. And by the way, um, I did remember to bring the book this week. This is the book, um, Knowing God. Um, if, I think it's in our book nook. If, you, if you've never read Knowing God, uh, it would be well worth your uh, money and time spent to, to read it. This is another book that uh, is quite good, uh, John Murray's Redemption Accomplished and Applied. And if you're really serious, I mean, if you're really holy like me, A.A. Um, Hodges Outlines of Theology. This, this, will, uh, this will set you back a couple of years um, uh, trying to wade through that. But anyway. Um, I, I alluded to some quotes from uh, Packer out of uh, Knowing God, and um, <clears throat> I said something as I closed, and it went something like this. You can check the tape. I don't know exactly what I said, um, but uh, I said something like this. Um, I said, my hope is is that, th- that the more that we know about this issue of adoption, um, that we might live lives that are holier, that are um, more um, reflective of the, the character of Christ. I, I said something like that. I want to go back and, and, and resume right there because I, I, I feel like I need to explain myself. Um, guys, um, I, would, I, I am suggesting to you that it is not law that will make you live better. I'm not trying to undercut the law. I'm not trying to dis- re- re- um, displace the law. I'm simply saying that if if all you have to guide you is law, it will not make you live better. It will not make you love better. Um, the thing that will that will um, evoke holy living is um, is is love. It's beauty. It's it's being overwhelmed with. The the beauty of the gospel that communicates such um, unconditional and steadfast love. Um, It is knowing uh, the security of knowing that I'm loved that will ultimately give rise to a holier life. That's my principle. Um, Let me give you two quick lines of argument about that. One that I've used a couple of times in the past. But you ask any woman in this room, any of them, when are they the most responsive to their husband's leadership? When they're secure or insecure? What is it that captivates a woman's uh, willingness to follow her husband's lead? It is security. The security that knowing she's loved. And so you treat women... um, or your spouse, your, no, you, treat, you treat your wife um, poorly, and then you come to my office and complain that she's not submissive. Well, um, the, the first thing that I want to say is, well, wait, wait, just a minute. Uh, the, the 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 responsibility that we husbands have is to love our wives as Christ loved the church, and none of us are doing it. I'm simply saying, though, that. Um, A wife is most responsive to her husband's lead when she feels secure in his love. Now, that's the same principle that I'm espousing uh, concerning living a holier life. It is not law that will do that for you. It is love. One of the reasons that I'm such an opponent of legalism is because legalism doesn't produce a holy life. Here's my second line of argument. When you sin against love... You're grieved when you sin against law. You're full of dread. Um, that should tell you something. It should tell you that um, if if I'm if it's love that I sin against, that creates in me a, a sorrow that I'm that I've failed. When I sin against law, I'm full of fear and dread, and I'm scared. That doesn't create holy living. What does create holy living um, is a sense of the security of knowing that I am loved. I ran across the text, and I'm telling you, if you've got a Bible and you can whip it open real fast, um, it's in Psalm 18. Actually, it's one third of one verse, but I want you to see it because it is marvelous. Psalm 18. <clears throat> Um, I'm just giving you another proof of my argument. It's found in verse 35. It's, um, it's the last part of verse 35, and it states this. Your gentleness has made me great. <laughs> is that not marvelous? Your gentleness has made me great. The thing that has, that has given me an appetite for holy living is not the dread of punishment. It is the concern that I sin against love. It is his gentleness that makes us great. I'm, I'm quoting a pastor that I heard recently. I don't even know his name. His first name was Ian, and he was British or Irish or Scottish or one of those. And I think they're all in the same league. But um, he said it very wonderfully, and I wish I could say it like he did, but he said this, I need to hear constantly that the pastor of the church, our Lord Jesus Christ, is gentle, forbearing, patient, and kind. I need to hear from the pastor of the church, our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is gentle and forbearing and patient and kind because it is his gentleness that makes me great. Now, so... I have this proposition that I made last week, and that is, my hope is that if we, uh, the, the more and more we uh, discover the beauty of adoption, the, uh, the better that we would live. And, and that's what I'm thinking. That's, that's the reasoning behind all that. Um, I'm saying to you, the emphasis that will promote security is the doctrine of adoption, the doctrine of the fatherhood of God. Um. And you may recall, I have tried to make the point that that was was such a foreign concept to Jewish ears when Jesus was promoting it. Um, And I'm afraid it's a foreign concept to so many evangelicals. We we shape up our lives according to the law. And and I'm not trying to diminish and and discredit the law, ladies and gentlemen. I I will... I'm not trying to do that, but I'm saying the thing that will give you an appetite for holy living is not by denouncing your sin. It is by promoting the beauty of the gospel, that he has not only forgiven our sin, but he's gone beyond that. That's um, l- Let's call that the negative, and um, he has now moved us into his family. We has, he has transferred us out of an alien family into the family of God. Now, I am convinced, rightly or wrongly, I'll let you decide, but I'm convinced it is that emphasis that will quicken people's interest in holy living. Um, Now, I'm suggesting to you that adoption is the basis of all Christian conduct. Um... I would say to you that the evidence of your own sonship is your avoidance of sin. And your avoidance of sin is, um, is promoted by a whole um, a sense of intimacy between you and your Heavenly Father. Um, the, 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 the Christian message is a family idea. Um, heaven is going to be a, a a family gathering, and knowing that um, that is the thing that gives rise. I'm suggesting to um, staying away from sin. Now, l- l- let me just show you a couple of places where I think the scriptures um, establish that. First John chapter two verse twenty nine. I'll just read it to you. You can you can get it later if you like. <clears throat> um, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Okay, it's born of him. He's in the family. And what's the chief characteristic of the ones born into the family? They practice righteousness. This is a chapter later. Um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Uh, whoever has been born of God does not sin. Um, the, the, the characteristic of those who recognize and understand their sonship is that sin is um, something they're oh so eager to avoid. There's another uh, little vignette in the the New Testament in in Matthew chapter 12. Remember, Jesus is teaching, and uh, boy, there's just a lot in Matthew chapter 12. But at the close of the chapter, um, while he's teaching, he is notified by um, some of the disciples who come up to him and say, Hey, uh, hey Jesus, uh, you know your mother and your brothers are outside, and they want to see you. And Jesus responds like this, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? He stretched out his hands toward his disciples and said, here, are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister. <laughs> the chief characteristic of those who understand their sonship is that they love obedience, they hate sin, and they are seeking to um, um, bring honor to the family name. Um, again, n- not born of a legal motive, but born of a motive of I, I, this is who I am, I am there's supposed to be some kind of um, family likeness, I have a new nature that 's been derived from God and the whole thing of regeneration, and so it's because that 's true. Um, sin is just not the thing that I, that I care to commit. Um, we're simply imitating our father, like father, like son. We are. We're showing family likeness, <clears throat> and all of those depressions, and all of those um, immaturities, and all of those inconsistencies in the Christian life. What it suggests is that we that we come from an unstable home. Well, that's because I think we have failed to. Or I have failed to tell you that it is his gentleness that will make us great. Your gentleness is what makes me great. I want to hear from the pastor over and over again, the pastor, not from that pastor, but from the pastor, that, um, that he is gentle and forbearing and patient and kind. Uh, <clears throat> guys, um, I, I, I'm going to insert this simply because I'm I'm always so concerned that people not mishear me. Um, say something that undercuts and undermines the beauty of the doctrine of justification by faith. Gang, we are pardoned so that we may be good. Um, We are never made good so that we might be pardoned. You understand that now, don't you? Uh, We are pardoned as an act of God's uh, justifying grace so that we may be good, but we're never good, so that we can get pardon. That was what I meant. All of that that I've just set up to now is what I meant last week when I was promoting or trying to encourage, um, um, thinking more frequently of this, this whole in, uh, issue of sonship and adoption. Now, <clears throat> what I want to do now is, is get back to the whole definition of the thing, uh, this or give you some more definitive terms concerning um, adoption. Here's the first one I want you to see. This should um, this should stir up your theological juices. Um, go to Ephesians chapter one. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter one. Um, I- I'm going to read three. Four and five. Um, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Here it is: having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, guys, you wanna you wanna uh, see a, uh, a a group of professing believers. Um, get ugly, just raise the the, uh, whole discussion of the issue of predestination. Um, I I love those discussions. Uh, And if you've never taken my systematics class, you might want to look into it. But um, um, whatever you believe about predestination, you do know that the word is in the New Testament um, 17 times or so. So you got to figure out something about it. Because the, the Bible mentions it 17 times. <clears throat> so figure out what you believe about this. But whatever you believe about this, I want you to see that you are predestined to adoption. <laughs> um, <clears throat> however you understand your little the, 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 the whole rich concept of predestination, um, keep in mind, that it is a predestination unto sonship. God has predestined you, however you understand that word. He has predestined you to be a son, to be a family member. That's the the goal of his predestination, okay? Now, I want to read you a definition, a definition that comes from the Westminster Confession of Faith. And um, boy, is this going to bore you. Um, because it is, it is rich, and it is, um, it's a little wooden. But let me read it one time, and then we'll, um, <clears throat> we'll come back and kind of break it up some. Um, all those that are justified. You know what? Um, I don't know that I should do this again, but <clears throat> it, is, it is helpful, I think, that you keep these things in mind. The ordo salutis is calling... Regeneration, um, uh, uh, faith and repentance, which is conversion, justification, adoption. <clears throat> now the the um, within sanctification, you know. Um, um, okay, um, all those who are justified. I, I do have penmanship issues, do I not? <laughs> <clears throat> um, all right. All those who are justified, God vouchsafeth. <laughs> How do you like that word? Vouchsafeth. V-O-U-C-H. One word. That's an old English word. Vouchsafeth. All those who are justified, God vouchsafeth in and for his only son Jesus Christ to make partakers of the grace of adoption by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God, have his name put upon them, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by him as by a father, yet never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption and inherit the promise as heirs of everlasting salvation. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what you call theology. <clears throat> now, let's, let's kind of look at it, just certain parts of it. First of all, all those that he has justified, God vouchsafeth. That is, he gives or grants by way of favor, And then he goes on to say, in and for his only son, Christ Jesus. That is, what he does in adoption, he does it in and for, never separate from Christ Jesus. Here's the first point. The author of this thing called adoption, or the, the act of adoption, is credited to God, The Father, but He always does it in and through His Son. It's always connected to the second person of the Trinity. Uh, This this adoption thing is said to be something that the Father does, but He never does it apart from the Son. And He vouchsafeth, He gives or grants, by way of favor the adoption of sons who does he do that for all of those who has been justified who have been justified <clears throat> the justified are always adopted justification being done by the father and adoption being assigned to the work of the father That gracious act, ladies and gentlemen, is called by John Owen. It's called our fountain privilege. (laughs) That is, the fountain out of which all other privileges flow is this thing that God does for the justified. And he does it only in and through Christ Jesus. There are no sons, there are no daughters in the family of God who are not related by faith to Jesus Christ. There is no such thing as the universal fatherhood of God, which the media loves to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, I am not in the same family with the unbeliever. There is no universal fatherhood of God. The only fatherhood of God there is. is a fatherhood that is in and by and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. I do not get in the family of God by being born I get in the family of God by being born again so I am not a brother of the unbeliever I am not guys there is such a thing as the universal creatureness of man the, the universal creatorhood of God, but there is no such thing as the universal fatherhood of God. He's not the father of all mankind. He is only the father of those who have been justified by faith in Christ Jesus. Those are the only ones adopted. Those are the only ones in the family. <clears throat> um, I love all this stuff. He says that... Um, Guys, the most fundamental blessing in the Christian message is justification. But the highest privilege um, that the gospel offers is adoption. And that adoption um, is something that is done by the Father Guys, let me keep reading. Um, As such, you are taken into the number, enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God, have his name, receive the Spirit, have access to the throne of grace with boldness. Now, guys, <clears throat> one of the emphases of the New Testament, um, or the, the, I guess you would say the stress of the New Testament, is not on the difficulty and the, and the danger of drawing close to God. The stress of the New Testament is on the boldness with which we should do that. Gang. Gang. <clears throat> um, I don't have time to do this. But you know that the, that the temple in the Old Testament was kind of built like that. You got the holy place, and then you got the holiest of places. You know, the, back here where's the ark, et cetera, et cetera. In between those two rooms was this thing right here. And in Judaism, for 364 days a year, that thing said, Stay out. No admission. Don't you come back here. For 364 days a year. One day a year. One person went back there. And do you know what happened? You know what that, the day of atonement, you know that thing? Do you know what happened when he came out? The veil got closed again. The do not enter. That sign got placed back up there. The emphasis of the gospel is not the danger and the difficulty of drawing into the presence of God. The stress of the New Testament is the boldness with which we should do so. Do you not see that as night and day in the, in the Christian gospel and in, and in Judaism? Even as of today, it's saying, uh-uh, don't, don't come back here. And because of this, this vouchsafest, he gives or grants, by way of favor, in Christ Jesus. He he, he adopts into the family, and then, taken into the number, Enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God. Have his name put upon them. Receive the adoption of son. Have access to the throne of grace with boldness. And are enabled to cry, Abba, Father. Are pitied, protected, provided for as sons. And yet, never cast off. Never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption. I left out one thing, and I want to close with this. i got three minutes left. Um, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, are unable to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened. And it's so interesting what the confession says. And chastened by him as by a father. <clears throat> um, part of the privilege of being a son is that the father chastens. Now, now gang, I've said this on numerous occasions before, but one of, the, one of the, 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 the perceptions that needs to be corrected among the people of God is that if I get out of line, God is going to punish me. Now, you may use that word a little bit differently than I use that word, et cetera, and I, and, and I understand that. But you must know this. There is no more punishment. You don't find that in the Westminster Confession, although that's not the Bible. I mean, but there is no more punishment for sons and daughters. There is chastening. But in terms of wrath, it's gone. There is no more wrath for you. Gang, God cannot punish your sins again. He can't. Because he's already punished them in your elder brother. To punish you for them would be to punish them twice. Now, but as every father in this room will tell you, your little ones get out of line here. and um, That is, if you're not scared to death of them, you do something to chasten them. Not because um, their great offense means that you need to get rid of them, but because you are training them into being reasonable adults. And the final statement that is made is he, he, they are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by him as a father and yet never cast off. My dear brother and sister in Christ, we are safe. And I am saying to you that the more you understand the security of being adopted, the better we're all going to live. I mean, the, the, the more conformed to Christ's image we're going to live. It is it is knowledge that He chastens me but doesn't punish me, and He never kicks me out of the kingdom. That, ladies and gentlemen, that's the thing that's going to. Promote and motivate us to live, to live lives that are godlier. That's my. That's my. Um, it's not my hope. It's it's um, it's the proper application of the gospel. I think that the more I understand the beauty thereof, including this whole idea of being adopted and chastened but never cast off, that, ladies and gentlemen, will make us new people. Our Father, um, would you remind us that these are privileges that are ours. That there is a boldness that we can now have because the veil that used to separate us has been taken down. Um, there's no, there's no um, keep out sign any longer for the, son, for the family. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for us to boldly have access to the God that we call our Father. And so, Lord, would you you remind us that it is understanding that your gentleness makes us great. It is understanding that when we approach, we approach a Father, that that gentleness will change us from the inside out. Do that for the people of God here at Grace Van. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name.